In order for shame to be rendered powerless in our lives, we must be witnessed. We must be seen. Your gifting is going to seem like things that are just very obvious. They're going to seem like, well, everybody can be this welcoming. Everybody can see that moment where I just saw it. We're going to feel like anybody could do it. And that's what makes it your gifting. Watch how people avoid the face of somebody in need or asking who makes you uncomfortable. Every one of those faces reveal God. We have to remember our past and recount the things that God has done for us. And then that gives us faith to keep going to where he wants us to be. Hey guys, welcome back to the Ensigns Podcast. I'm Blaine. And I'm Sam. And did you feel that lurking presence in the background? Really? No. Yes. If you can sense that, Ransom Tart Podcast cross-pollinator, that is because we have scalped a key member of the Ransom Tart Podcast team. Not literally. <laughs> well, it'd be a thin scalp. <laughs> and made him a member of the Anton's Podcast team. Alan Arnold is here in the background, ladies and gents. So that feeling you're feeling right now? That's positive. That's him. <laughs> Maybe I should just open with a quote. Yeah, I think that was a good idea. Okay. Many who take the Sabbath seriously and intentionally ruin it with legislation and worrisome fences that protect the Sabbath but destroy its delight. For many Sabbath keepers, it is a day of duty, diligence, and spiritual focus that eschews play and pleasure. For Bible reading, prayer, naps, and tedious religious services that seemed designed to suck the air out of the soul. If that is keeping the Sabbath holy, then it is better to break it. The darker option is to ignore it, or perhaps even worse, to think one is keeping it simply by going to church. For many, the Sabbath has somehow morphed into Sunday, the day of the resurrection, and it is fulfilled by attending a religious event called Sunday morning church service. Once that is finished, the day is spent in routine yard maintenance, diversion, and preparation for the coming week. It cannot be shouted louder from the rooftops, this is not a Sabbath. This is Sabbath breaking. Why did you pick that quote? And what's that quote from? That is a quote from Dr. Dan B. Allender's book, Sabbath. The first time you've ever said his middle initial. <laughs> Dan B. Allender, who is not here in the studio with us, this, so this book has been lying around since 2009, and I have seen it because about once a quarter, I go through Dad's bookshelf and take things at a rate that I think is mm-hmm. sufficiently slow that he doesn't notice. Arrowheads, small that, rocks that, that he's just found. Siphoning stuff. And although one time he did notice several years ago and went, my condition is that someday you write a book titled Books I Stole from My Dad. (laughs) (laughs) This has become a topic of interest to me because almost a year ago, no, longer than that, my wife in a conversation told me, Ailish and I need you to lead us into Sabbath. Our Mm -hmm. life is not working. And we did it for a while, and then it petered out, and then we reinstituted it in the fall. And a couple months in, I realized the level that I resented it and Mm. knew nothing about it. And so born out of sort of the desperation of radical discomfort, 
I scared up this book hmm. and started pushing in to go, what the heck is this practice that's supposed to be a foundational rhythm of the soul that looks maybe the most unappealing of the basic practices that sustain the soul? Yeah, I'm surprised that you used the word unappealing and also not because there's there's a certain revulsion we feel around here to over-spiritualized words. And that's just part of the culture. We just kind of back away from things that have been used and connotate particular things. But Sabbath is one of them. And it's the concept that we get so many emails about from people. I don't know if you knew this, but people get kind of fired up about Sabbath being on Saturday, it's not on Sunday, and it's not about this, it's about that. And you're like, oh, you know what really makes me feel rest is a bunch of legalism, which is why I like that you picked that quote because it's one of the ones I highlighted as well. But as I think about even the topic of Sabbath, I think I feel this immediate first cringe of like, oh, it's like the classic Christian to-do that I know I'm not doing well and can I mow my yard? But Jesus was healing on the Sabbath. And so clearly we can do work. And so we're not all Jewish followers here. But why do I feel so bad? Somebody says Sabbath and I immediately go, ugh. Yes. I see myself wearing a pair of khaki slacks that I don't own. Loafers? Loafers and a button-down white shirt that I also don't own. Going somewhere duteous. Mm. And it's a basically unappealing picture. And if I were just to compare that with, you know, myself stepping out onto the back porch in jeans and a t-shirt, putting on a pair of work gloves, that's a very appealing picture for my soul. Of, and I just think of the way a day could be spent. I go, ooh, that mm-hmm. one. What am I doing? And what is the project? And mm-hmm. maybe it's the beginning of summer versus... So you and khakis is you going to church? Yeah. Well, it's me. Of course, I do gather. <laughs> oh, yeah. Here we go. <laughs> On Sundays. This isn't semantics. But, right, classically, of, I know I do something on Sunday morning. And so I, in quotes, go to church. Mm-hmm. But I don't do it like that. Nevertheless, when we start talking about Sabbath, that's the picture that comes to mind. Oh, totally. And the amount of conversations I've had that either I've initiated or other people have resonated with of like the, I would rather be in the mountains or surfing or going for a walk with my family than doing the to-do list that is a Sunday morning that is, well, it's the Sabbath and you've got to protect it. And so you got to put on your Sunday best and go to this service and check that box and then on with the rest of the day which Dan also talks about in that intro to his book, Sabbath, from like, oh my gosh, you are describing the classic Sunday that makes my soul go, I wish I was surfing. And recently, I began asking a little bit of like, why? Like, is it actually surfing? Or is that pointing towards some desires that I have in that space? And being in Colorado, surfing actually isn't very accessible. And I was never a very good surfer. I was really good at breaking surfboards. Ooh, how many did you break? Well, the two that I ever were given. So I'm at 100% success rate for breaking ones that I had been loaned. Not everybody can do that. No, and not in cool ways either, you know? It was like one time. Well, somebody ran into me because I couldn't get out of their way. <laughs> well, we digress. Because <laughs> I didn't know how waves work. So it's it's actually not, it's not about surfing. I realize it's about like I'm longing for warmth 
because you surf in warm climates or you have a wetsuit. And so my body wants to be cared for. I don't want to be responsible for other people because you surf typically alone or with somebody else who's capable. And so it's like, oh, when I say that, I'd rather be doing X on Sunday that's actually like a decoder for what I am needing that day. Okay. One other point before we plunge in. I'm driving with my wife recently, and all of a sudden she looks over and goes, why can't you put new wine in old wineskins? And I went, because they break. Emily kind of pushes on it and is like, "Uh, yeah, but why do they break? A metaphor is an effective tool because the nature of the metaphor fits the nature of the content. And it turns out that, well, wineskins stretch as the wine ferments and off-gasses. And so if it's an old wineskin and you fill it up, it can't stretch anymore, so it just breaks. But it's really interesting to ask questions about obvious parts of a life with God, like looking at the Ten Commandments. One thing last year that was revelatory for me was I just bumped into a podcast on taking the Lord's name in vain while we were reading for a podcast on profanity. And somehow taking the Lord's name in vain came over 2,000 years to mean here in Protestant United States, don't say, oh my God, or swear, when what the command means is don't carry the name of God in a worthless way, meaning if you go to war in the name of the king, you had better conduct yourself in a way that is worthy of the king. Fight with valor. Be sympathetic to your prisoners. You know, be like a samurai so that when you carry the standard, people actually learn about the nature of the person whose standard you're carrying. Ditto Sabbath, where Dan begins this book with going, this is in the Ten Commandments, and it's the only one people brag about breaking. And Mm. I went, I have never asked what it means to keep the Sabbath holy besides making it boring. Right. Because what comes to mind when you say keeping the Sabbath holy is probably some form of like meditation and detachment. I'm actually thinking of a friend in Minnesota who's really skilled at fasting for long periods of time. But like, that's what comes to mind of I am keeping it holy by remaining totally motionless and giving my attention for my waking hours to God. And it's like, yeah, I suck at that. I suck at both those things. So like I get people are going to go, wait, we brag about breaking the Sabbath. What Dan means is the culture of busyness. Genuinely, Blaine, how often do you think about the Ten Commandments? Like when's the last time you said the phrase, the Ten Commandments? Oh. Fair to say not very often. Not all that often. Not all that often. Right. For me, this is like the first time in in quite a while. (laughs) And yet like I'm aware when it comes to rest versus busyness like yeah i get to the weekend i get to the spaces that have more control or that i should have more say over what's happening and i am eager to fill them up with things that need to get done and therefore i actually look forward to monday quite often because monday is going to be ah this exhale of now i'm back into it a specific rhythm that's predictable and the grocery shopping's happened and the house care's happened and now I can begin my week again. And it's like any idea of Sabbath or of rest 
or of whatever that means, as I hope, you know, we're planning on teasing out now, that's not there. And I'm aware that I will name my world as busy, but I haven't put Dan's flamboyant language on it. Dan likes to just really get in your face by being like, Blast you are bragging you. about breaking the Ten Commandments. You're like, oh, am I even just said I was busy? Yes. And how much more if you are in your 20s? Now that I know a little about the Sabbath, I can accurately say that in my early 20s, I never had a Sabbath rhythm. But if I had known what it was, I think I would have chased it because Mm -hmm. it's one of Jeremiah's ancient paths that gives rest to your soul, fills your life with joy, Mm. and maybe a great way to dive in. If you are, and I know many of our listeners are also, Bible Project listeners, you'll know that they copy us all the time Mm. by using a time machine Mm. to do this before us. Yes. To come forward in time, get our idea, go back and record it, and then release it right about the time that we're releasing podcasts. Feels bad, man. So good good for you guys. Feels bad. But they have been doing a series on Sabbath. Crazy. Blaine, is this where this idea came from? No. Are you sure? Yes. Are you lying? <laughs> this idea came from resenting my Sabbath practices and picking up Dan's book three weeks ago, but wondering more about Sabbath made me go, oh, I wonder if Tim Mackey has ever talked about this. And it went, oh my gosh, not only have they talked about it, they're releasing a series right now. Stop copying me. Mm. Or there's just something in the, uh, the spiritual air. Something in the air as happens, almost as though there were one spirit. But well, almost. here's one thing that I did not know. It is interesting to dive into sort of Dan's book as is a roadmap. Evidently, the Ten Commandments appear two times. They appear in Exodus and in Deuteronomy. And Sabbath is in both places. And it's represented differently. And here's the difference. Uh, in Exodus, this dimension of the Sabbath is introduced that's stopping. And that's where the word Shabbat is, to stop or to cease. In Deuteronomy, the Sabbath is extended to your whole household, and you are instructed to make sure they share in your rest. And that word is something like nuach or noach. It's a different word, and it is a state of being. So the first one is ceasing or stopping, and the second one is dwelling or living. So when you have come to a new country and you have begun to live there, Mm. you have nuached and is that a pun? Dan. <laughs> I'd be a little above my pay grade. Dan actually picks this up and I went, oh my gosh, where it is this complex thing that involves both stopping from your ordinary pattern in order to dwell in another reality, which includes, which is God's story of your release from slavery. Mm. Yeah, I don't have anything to jump in on there. So let's wow. go to... <laughs> Let's go to Dan. Wow, thank you for those words, TM. Okay, I know where we're going a little bit. Dan is drawn to the word delight, like a bee to flowers. And I love that because that is a little bit of what you're alluding to of this new dwelling place when somebody says Shabbat or I need to invite everybody else into it with me. Like it actually feels further away. So it feels like the concept of Sabbath first has to get like further away. And now we can begin drawing it closer as we unpack 
at least for me. For those of you who are Shabbat scholars, good for you. And hooray. Email us. (laughs) Yes, delight. It blew my mind. Right in the introduction, Dan has this line where he goes, the Sabbath is not principally a day of rest. It is a day of delight. And he goes on to go, in fact, if you are tired, the Sabbath is not your solution. You're tired because you are, the problem is your life. When you come to engage Sabbath and dream delight and live in this other way, it's actually much more about play, feasting, friends, adventure. This blew my mind. Yeah, and I also want to throw in the the piece of like Dan is someone who's deeply acquainted with trauma and suffering, and he begins by being in this refugee camp outside of Myanmar. And he's like, this is where I first began to experience Sabbath and delight. And you're like, oh, wow, way to take us to like the, the greatest tension. And so when I hear delight, I now don't omit the difficulty that might be going on. There is a call to delight in the midst of that and to be drawing our attention to things that are going to be filling us. And so if delight is evoking sort of like an anesthesia or this I'm dissociating from everything else and just choosing to bask in this like warm glow, that would be incorrect and unhelpful connotation. Yeah, that's good. One of the things that drives the concept home that the Sabbath is not so much a day of rest as a day of delight is the creation narrative itself where God is establishing the universe and on the seventh day he rests and astute commentators have gone, was God tired? Obviously not. Impossible. This was not... Like, but I actually think of him as that, right? Like he's been been working, 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 and then he just needs to put his feet up. Turns on the, the football game. And goes, well, <laughs> in fact, no. It is the day where God enjoys his creation. Norman Wurzba writes about this in a book called Food and Faith, where he goes, then God turns and offers and receives creation as gift. And tying in that, Tim Mackey piece that I mentioned of stop and then dwell of, oh, no, no, it's the day where God dwells in creation with us. It is our co-dwelling with God. Mm. Yeah, this is actually making me think about a, something we touched on in Killing Lions, actually. We mentioned a story in there of work days at the ranch in the summer and the way that a beer in the evening around a fire feels at the end of a long work day. Like, it, it's actually so deeply satisfying in that space where we're reflecting on a day spent together, doing something, working with our hands, feeling the sun on our backs, and then to have this like deep body sigh as we sit there with our cold bottles and and just enjoy our presence. Like it's a very different feeling than worn out and exhausted and just like leave me alone. We actually look forward to more conversation and more lingering with each other at the end of that. And I haven't actually thought of the creation narrative as that kind of experience, though I'm sad that this is the first time I'm realizing that. When we talk about beginning to embrace this concept, it is 
fascinating to push on what that means instead. So delight yeah. is not annulment, but to go, oh, really? So the Sabbath is, and I've, it's funny, I've bumped into this sort of over the years in various books that have hinted at receiving the world of gift, entering into God's play. But these things, they haven't been very meaningful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what is helpful and why I wanted to use this book as a roadmap is he gives these kind of pillars that he uses to support that, the concept of delight. And they are sensuous glory, communal feasting, play and risk, and then this concept of rhythmic repetition. Mm. But when we talk about uh, a day of delight, structuring your life so that one day actually is different, and beginning with like sensuousness, it kind of makes you go, oh, wow, what, what would you cite then as being the most Sabbath-like experiences in your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is the question you're also asking me right now. Yeah. Um, it's just really easy for me to think of the weekends in the summer where the day is very long and begins with warmth. And so the tension in my body isn't there and I can be outside, something that I enjoy, can feel the sun, can have this like lingered experience of a day when there's a lot of light and a lot of warmth. It doesn't feel like I'm trying to cram things in. So that's what first comes to mind is I'm like, oh, a day where it's like that kind of, there's going to be delights throughout the day. It's going to feel spacious. Um, People might come over. We might grill. I'm actually describing like an ideal summer vacation type day. And that. 10 times out of 10 sounds way more appealing than my typical Sunday. (laughs) I'm going to church and then I'm going to go run grocery errands and then feel bad that I didn't rest. Yes. And I would say here that uh, when it comes to rhythm or adopting some form of this practice, that (laughs) no, the day of the week is not ultimately important. The rhythm is ultimately important, and some 24-hour period that is different, that is in some sense the core of your time, it sounded so appealing Mm. to read that, oh, yeah, the Sabbath reorients you to time. It reorients you to really what this is all about, uh, that this story is building towards the restoration of all things, but that your week is sort of Sabbath. Three days of reflecting on Sabbath, three days of anticipating Sabbath and doing it again. And I went, oh my gosh, no, mine have done. Mine Sabbath is in the way. My Sabbath is in the way of that practice. What we've done is Friday night after my daughter is in bed, the phones get turned off and they go into a cabinet. And then, and we don't schedule anything on Saturday. Mm -hmm. And that detox period was important. Right, Because I just knew that I would find ways to cheat and went, first, we need to sort of establish a foundation because I don't trust myself to pick things that are Sabbathy versus aren't Sabbathy. And I just know my personality enough no, to know right. I'll sneak stuff in. 
you've got a tick, and your tick is to put on your work gloves and do house projects. Yeah, or invite people over. But really what I'm doing is checking a relational box, totally. not enjoying relationships. Isn't that what inviting people over is all the time? It turns out no. <laughs> oh, And then we would go, hey, 24 hours. and But more than that, because we would not turn our phones on again until Sunday morning. And then I would actually take a video of it, of me turning my phone on with my wife's phone. Just to show, this is why my phone was off as I watch 30 notifications come through. And my notifications are pretty tuned down mm-hmm. for a cell phone. And yeah, just 30, went, that's, that's, yeah. That is the disruption right there. Popular guy. Put it all together. <laughs> I'm on a lot of family threads where we're swapping photos of kids eating different foods. God, that's exactly what I would expect. <laughs> <laughs> right? And to go, okay, but I would then... My Sunday, the day after, would mostly, I would name it as Sabbath recovery. Like, oh, man, that's over. Mm. Get, and then build momentum again. And then the latter part of the week had become a form of Sabbath dread. Mm. And like, oh, here we go again into the day where I don't have my cell phone, which I'm addicted to. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to get spontaneous relational messages from people, which gives me a little dopamine burst. And I just have to muddle through. And one of the things that was so interesting, because people debate, right? When is the Sabbath? When should a Sunday service be? Blah, blah, no, blah, no. blah. We're, we're going to get emails about even you saying it doesn't have to be any day. This house. Great. <laughs> we're going to get, here's a real one. Historical consensus on the actual day the resurrection took place. I know, super helpful. There is none. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's my great. gosh. So the Protestant story is that Sabbath gets moved to Sunday because that's the day Christ rose from the dead. But was that Sunday, Sunday it is now in the Gregorian calendar? Uh, no, we for sure don't know. We know that he uh, rose from the dead three days after he was crucified, but we don't really know what day. Can I just say that these fall into the unhelpful questions category okay, for me? so unhelpful questions. <laughs> I just don't, they don't actually like change anything about the way I experience my life. But so. here, right. Well, what I was going to say is the significant thing in that sunset to sunset thing which always seemed to me kind of like, why are you trying to embrace this arcane way of viewing time? Was, oh, because then you get the Friday night feast. And what's important is that all of a sudden, this core element of joy and community gets wrapped into your Sabbath in a way that starts to reinterpret it. And mm. we have some mm. friends who there. <clears throat> oh, Yoda's in <laughs> the studio today. Good idea. This is. We have some friends who that is their Sabbath thing where they roll in Friday night and they open a bottle of wine and cook a slow meal and feast together. And I know you're talking about too. And it's new for them, right? So yes, like It's an experiment. Right. It's, it's beautiful. And I, I don't know why, maybe this is a personality thing, but I feel like this is a things that feel old as far back as the Ten Commandments have a tendency to feel like a bigger failure for you if you haven't implemented it yet. And so you hear the story of like, these people, they open a bottle of wine and I'm like, I don't have that. That's not in our budget. Like we, and we do a slow meal. Like, oh, that sounds nice. I don't have the planning for that. Then they do worship. Well, I don't actually play an instrument. So these people suck because they make me feel so bad. But that's not true. That's just speaking out of uh, inadequacy and that fear of failure that, has already happened. So actually what I like about where you began with what you started in Sabbath is you needed to first just begin protecting it, though it wasn't perfect. You know, you began to like 
sort of feel traumatized as it was getting close and then needed to recover afterwards. Personally, I think I would need to begin with like, I am protecting this space. And once I have begun, I have removed the weeds from the soil, then I can begin planting in these other good things. Exactly. So what to plant has been the question after some, I mean, it was funny, this book is from 2009 and in here he has this little aside of, when you make any step in the direction of wholeheartedness, expect radical opposition. And he describes when he adopted a healthy diet because of some real health risks, the contempt and contentiousness that he experienced of people going, well, just one cookie. Well, are you even sane? Well, you seem like a bad person mm-hmm. and go, you would not believe when I go, oh, this one day I don't make plans. How much even good friends try to subvert it and go, right. well, we can schedule one thing. No, we can right. schedule, this is really important. I will not be there. And to go, uh, this is a thing that makes me available to the rest of my life. And it doesn't even have to be the world overtly pushing against it because we know from all of our conversations about the spiritual world and trying to implement new rhythms that there will become a crisis that seems like you actually can't avoid. Yes. That isn't related to your friend trying to sabotage it because your friends aren't particularly malicious, but you know, sometimes it happens. And it's just so interesting to go, I would rather miss, actually miss one out of every seven crises. Let's say there's one a day in order to, actually have something changeful to offer into the other six. Mm. And it went, sure, you're available all the time, but your availability didn't do anything. So, ooh, <laughs> the zinger. <clears throat> Let's return to clearing this, clearing this day, wondering about this rhythm, and then go, what do you plant? And that's where, just circling back to delight again and again, and then fleshing out delight. Mm-hmm. I let, This quote really took me off guard. <laughs> Imagine someone came to you and said, dream delight for yourself and your family and friends. Let yourself go with dreams as wild as you can imagine. Don't let money or physical limitations enter your thoughts. Dream as extravagantly as you know how to do. Then pray that you might truly dream well. Where would your dreams take you? Where would you go with whom? And what would you do? Yeah, actually, like, he, he then rebuttaled it with what his students often say. Which is what I said. Yeah. Well, it makes me feel bad, so then I just start eating. <laughs> You're like, I can't. I can't do it. I don't have the ability to it. Why would you make me do this exercise? It just makes me feel pain. Like, ugh. Yes. Well, so, for Susie and I, a big part of our marriage and trajectory is weaving in adventure and adventure together. And when that slipped off our calendar, as it did very quickly with little kids, we began to feel the toll of that after about a year. Like it wasn't something that was like a requirement for us to be well, but we noticed that we were missing it. And this question is where I go with that, actually. After I first push through the, man, that makes me feel bad, I then go to, oh, I'm imagining my family on a sailboat somewhere tropical, or I'm imagining a camping trip in the Rocky Mountains, often outside, often lavish. I, when I was in college, I loved being the guy who would pay for other people's meals or drinks and like not let that get in the way of us going out and feasting. And I love, like, how many of us get to have the 
adjective generous said about them. And I like got to just own that for a season. And so that's another thing that comes to mind for me. So back to Susie and I in adventure, like we noticed its absence. And so we intentionally against the grain started scheduling them in of we're going to cash in all of our relational chips for the month at once in order to go have a day to go climb a mountain or we're going to spend all of our date money for the next two months on a punch pass for the climbing gym, which we still haven't used. So it's not like we're doing it perfectly, but man, like those moments for us are these thick cords of like a lifeline that we need and totally delight in. Yes. And okay. The buying beers, even though you're poor example is the perfect illustration of the of an alcoholic here no oh no what i'm thinking of is the heart that can actually dream about delight joyfully is the heart that can also enjoy a day so the heart that can Mm. dream about sailboats right the solution isn't do something unimaginable every weekend every yeah right saturday Oh, but the heart that can do that can occupy a day. And then is the heart that also will be generous when you're out with friends and is rooted in a secret Mm -hmm. that changes the way you live. Well, and this is a piece that dad was on, what, years ago where he's like, to not ignore the gift of memory. And that piece of, I may be looking forward to the next great adventure, but on a given Sabbath, if I can't do those things, what maybe I'm being invited into is to remember the last one and to like speak it aloud and talk about moments that we loved and do that with Susie and with others. Or if it's someone else's adventure or last moment of delight, it's a piece that I also highlighted from Dan's intro of we enter delight only as we gaze equally and simultaneously at creation and redemption in spite of the darkness that surrounds us and constantly clamors to be truer than God. And like that to me is all about memory and narrative of, I don't have to be on the sailboat in order for my Sabbath to go well, but I can be like, do you remember what it was like at the pool last summer or the way that our kids are coming out of sickness and be celebrating and delighting in health and the redemption that God is up to? Like those are not wasted because they're not, on the deck of a 40-foot catamaran. Yes. I just keep rehearsing the stages here where it goes, (laughs) become intrigued that your life could be better. Protect the day. Discover that my capacities for delight are actually quite small. Begin to explore why that might be and go, oh, what does it look like to see God again and anticipate the future and remember the past in a way that actually goes, my story is really good. Underneath everything, there is this note of God's generosity. And that will actually begin to change the way that I live this day. It was fun where experiencing this change in real time, start going, oh, delight. And I went, wow, I really love riding a bike. I would love to invite Ailish into that. She's a little too big for the bike chariot. She doesn't really like it anymore. Mm. Uh, but 
I showed, she has a scoot bike and I showed her pictures of those bikes that hook on, you know, those kids' bikes that hook onto the parents' bike mm-hmm. and then they can pedal too. And she can't stop talking about it. And it just went. That's why I don't show my kids any pictures. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. What, now that I'm dreaming into this, like, what would it look like to move towards it? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I haven't gone out and bought one yet. But something money. is changing as there's real engagement with that. Yeah. One more thing with grappling with my inability. There's a section later on where Dan goes, if Sabbath is the day of abundance, then it must be a contrast with destitution. And he has this observation, very painful, middle-class destitution. And he goes, there are two categories of destitution that are real for the middle class. One the emptiness of an uncertain future, and to the emptiness of the unrealized present. And went, oh, I'm not in regular fear of starving. Uh, And so this day of feasting doesn't naturally contrast with periods where there is no grain. Mm -hmm. But it definitely contrasts and exposes the experience of yeah, what does the future hold? What is the thing I'm moving towards? And what is my current season supposed to look like? It feels like a lot of survival and not a lot of meaning all the time. Mm -hmm. And naming that, there's this all of a sudden, whoa, yes, I identify with that experience. Sabbath is the solution? What? How? Mm. Yeah, I mean... Every year of my 20s felt like <laughs> I didn't know what was coming and it was just survival. And so to stop and to celebrate would have felt like a very bizarre act. But if you told me it was the key to a greater connection to God, greater satisfaction, more abundant presence. I would have been like, okay, like I'm willing to hear what you have to say because I, as all the way back to the beginning, like I think I, I know I have lost what Sabbath means. And my wife, Susie, will get very excited about Sabbath. Um, haven't done it as a rhythm. And I know I, I can feel the check in me as, as her excitement because it, it was your wife too that called you to it so i don't know why it's maybe it's the with them maybe it's just naturally wise to do this but i find this checking me going oh really but then hearing all these other pieces of like oh no it's it's the antidote and it is a command and it is into delight it's like oh, oh okay maybe this looks different than i thought and it's not just <sighs> church all day though i know I'm no longer in my 20s, so my life doesn't feel the same, uh, like, just march. It feels like a march in a different way. It is. And here's the fascinating thing. We know in concept why Jesus tells us to do certain things, and it's to give us everything instead of nothing. And it is the advice. Right. right. But back to when we were doing a sound check, how much do you like being told what to do, whether it's Jesus or Alan? Oh, I resent being told what to do. (laughs) More if it's Jesus, slightly less if it's Alan. Uh, But go, wow, 
when you're told, hey, stop and dwell and go, wow, I can't. Wow, what would it look like to push into my inability to stop and go, I can't do that. Why? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, these deeper things. Well, mm-hmm. what would it look like to ask very simply, Jesus, come into that. I ask you to open that to me because that's a mystery that I don't currently have access to. Yeah. I actually, I want to come back to the piece you mentioned on like the crisis, that there's something you have to engage every day of the week. And just that question of, are you actually doing much good? Like really, when you throw in like the way that you have that day, feel such resonance with that personally as I go, oh yeah, I feel like there's a momentum that I have to keep spinning. And if I stop, I don't know how much work it's going to take to re-spin. And I've seen, or at least heard anecdotally of the, the studies done on how much more productive you are when you take a break, when you take a full day off. If it seems like the craziest thing in the world, it actually may be exactly what you need. That actually isn't enough motivation to get me to do the thing. It's a little bit more to the the point of how much good am I actually doing to keep this momentum going? Am I, have I reduced myself, my my momentum to that of like the hamster in the wheel rather than a man, a father, a king moving forward to go like, oh, you need this desperately. And I have an inkling that the fruit of it will point to how much good it is going to do. Right. Entering through the pain, it really is important to ask the question, why would I do this? And dad just wrote a book on this topic of how do you save your soul in a world gone mad? How do you stop? How do you actually get more of God in your life? Mm. There is the question of desire of why would someone even want that? Yes. Desire is the one thing that cannot be forced. Until I want more of God for whatever reason, usually pain, I don't want more of God. And no one can convince me. But when I hit the point where I start to acknowledge I am not as well as I would like to be most of the time. I, and in the cues, it's mm-hmm. interesting for me. I have a reputation, thanks to the selective nature of podcasts, uh, of being a dedicated reader. Oh. Reading is something I only do when my soul is good. Mm. <laughs> and to go, wow. And I don't realize how unwell I am until I ha- there's sort of a resurgence that goes, Oh, I'm reading again. Oh, I have not been reading for forever. And I love this. And I love when life feels this way. Mm. What would it take to experience joy more often? Mm-hmm. Oh, it might take engaging this thing of delight. Wow, how do you do it? And, and at which point the handrails become really helpful of, okay, well, start by dreaming about what you would do if, all was well, Christ was back, and you could play. Oh, mm-hmm. I would do blank. Okay, lean into it. And then go, wow, I don't have very many holding places to experience God. How do I build those? And you go, oh, well, there are a few right in front of you. Like engaging, sensuous beauty, sounds, sunsets, landscapes. Dan notes that he goes, if Sabbath sends us anywhere, it sends us into the wilderness. Mm. And going, oh, you you can build that. 
you can build your holding places for God. And if you want, if you are ready to commit to the practice, it can actually begin to fill your life with joy. So uh, what does your actual Sunday look like or your actual Sabbath these days? This is a, a real-time shift for you, right? Yes. Not something that you're like, now that you've learned this lesson, let me teach you. This is more of like, hey, what I was trying to do wasn't working based on how it made you feel before it and after it. It would go. <laughs> Have you shifted? A little bit, yes. Mm. I, I kind of like your reframe from me earlier, though. Or I'm accepting you subtly changed my narrative from we tried and it wasn't working into you needed to clear that space. And then you could go right. We go. Yeah, you're welcome for that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So I, we did a detox and it was helpful. Mm-hmm. And then I started to notice that uh, that I was ready for more of what Sabbath was meant to be. And it's so funny. So it was two weeks ago and I had told them this thing of that it requires planning, that if this is a day of delight, not necessarily a day of rest. Uh we would have to plan and like if we're going to make a feast, pick what we're going to make. Mm-hmm. Or if we're going to find that bike thing for Ailish, find a way to find it uh, and go. And we need we need to plan. And then it doesn't happen. And it's Friday night. And it's 10 o'clock at night. And I'm finishing cleaning the kitchen. And M, come, and M comes in and goes, hey, so we talked about how we were going to how we needed to choose beforehand. Because what we do is we crash into Saturday morning and then try to build momentum from a dead stop mm-hmm. and just went, okay, what would what would we do? Okay, check the weather. Okay, it's going to be sunny. Okay. Let's take Ailish's scoot bike to that paved path nearby that would be really good for her to practice that we like walking. We'll go and we'll do a walk and that'll be our morning. And then we you know, made a loose lunch plan. And then the funny thing is, we woke up in the morning and thought of something different and went and did something different. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was an, it was an inkling of difference. Uh, this week is the most different because last weekend, like a week in advance, M went, uh, hey, it's going to be sunny next weekend. What if we went down to the Arkansas? And it's always warmer and sunnier down there. The weather looks good. And I went, oh, awesome. And then she went, and what if we invited someone to go with us? And I went, we have never done that so far. We haven't invited someone and told them, hey, do you want to come do a Sabbath practice with us? Here's, here's kind of what it means, like joy, play, some stuff. And went, oh, okay. And then making me look really like a blue to green belt here in the Sabbath category. And You're the one doing it. You're telling the story. <laughs> Em bought a kind of cool, inexpensive kite. Mm. And I was like, you know, we've got an old crappy lizard one. We're going to be excited about it. But then Ailish reacted to it. Yeah. And it went, oh, now I'm kind of pumped to go down on Saturday and maybe fish, maybe explore, maybe find a place to fly a kite. Someone's going to come with us. And like, we're, you know, ankle deep and wading out into this practice. Yeah. I feel I just as an aside, it feels like being around a three year old helps open the doorway to delight a lot easier because they just seem to be wandering around life with wide eyes. 
through that. That is helpful. What about you? What are your... Well, when when you listen to this podcast, Susie, you can get all fired up and tell me what we're going to (laughs) do. She'll love that. She will. (laughs) Um, Because of my love of summer, I do wonder, you know, we're coming up on spring here, the Northern Hemisphere, just kind of going, what are the ways we fight for this? What are the things we do? Um, We actually just bought the adapter for the front wheel on our what was the chariot for the toe behind for the oh, bike yeah. and so now it's a jogger or it will be and they just paved the path by our house that goes by that's the one i was referencing the garden of the gods yeah right um don't come find us that's not where we live i'm looking forward to that like we get to go for a run as a family and and just so aware of the care of body is movement as much as it's nourishment as much as it's rest and there are times when I, what I really need is like a, a nap in the afternoon. Often that last 30 minutes I'm trying to get in the morning isn't actually getting me what I need. And so trying to like tease out what, what, what does my body need? What, is, what does my heart need? What, is, what do my kids need? And all of those things. I found myself like almost double underlining Dan's line here in the intro. Few people are willing to enter the Sabbath and sanctify it to make it holy because a full day of delight and joy is more than most people can bear in a lifetime, let alone a week. I think he has some familiarity with, like, we say we want these things, but to truly be in them can actually expose a lot of discomfort with it, a lot of our pain, a lot of our beliefs about ourselves and God. And so there's, there's that whole other dimension there. Like, why did I double underline that? Why is why did that jump out to me? Because it, it struck me as very helpful naming as I want to build a rhythm of this to go, oh, there's going to be resistance in me that wants to shy away from some of those things for probably surprising reasons that I'm going to need to tease out beyond just my own feeling like I'm messing up Asian Christian practice and I need to wear khakis all day. It can really sound like one more thing that you can't do. Yeah. And it's kind of shocking to reframe it as exactly. And because that is your experience of the world, God is trying to draw you out, give you something to restore your soul and make your life actually joyful. That's something God wants to do. 